Isaiah 61.1, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. And then in Mark 10, 46 through 52, and they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And, God, and Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Mark 10, 46 through 52. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Tiffany. Well, here we are. In our final three weeks in the Gospel of Mark, and we reach, have reached the last of the healing miracles of Jesus presented before Jesus heads to the cross. Now, if you've been with us uh, this entire time, you'll remember that the healing narratives are never just simply about the healing of the individual. Uh, it's showing many different dimensions of the character of who Jesus is and revealing the hearts of those who have been changed by him. It's Jesus using extraordinary grace to teach us more about himself in the ordinary life. And so if you recall from the very beginning of the sermon series, we've been discussing how the main theme of Mark on the question of who is Jesus is that Jesus is the suffering servant. And as we reach this final healing miracle, you will see Jesus head to Calvary where he will face the greatest suffering imaginable. But first, we stop with this blind man named Bartimaeus. And in this, we will see very important themes that Mark has traced throughout his gospel. But, but before, before we begin, um, let's take some time to pray as uh, we pray for the preaching of God's word. Let's, let's pray together. Father, uh, we pray that your holy word would speak now. Remind us again of our need of Christ our need to see him as he is, our need to trust in Jesus' ability to heal and restore, our need to follow the calling of Jesus that you have placed in our hearts through the power of your spirit. We ask and pray that your word would speak to us now in a way that transforms us to open our eyes as you did Bartimaeus and see Christ for who he truly is. In your son's name we pray these things. Amen. So today, we're going to examine uh, the faith of Bartimaeus and understand why Jesus says that the faith of Bartimaeus has made him well. And so we're going to look at three things today, faith in the identity of Christ, uh, faith in the ability of Christ, and faith, finally, in the calling of Christ. So the identity, the ability, and the calling of Christ. And we're going to see how all of these things add up together for Jesus to commend Bartimaeus' faith and say that it made him well. 
So let's start together by talking about the faith in the identity of Christ. Now, uh, we, got, we have to set the scene a little bit here. Uh, as you've been with us, you know that Jesus has been traveling all over Israel, Lebanon. He's gone from Jewish to Gentile lands. And now he is on the last leg of his journey before he will be arrested, tried, beaten, and crucified. But the irony of Mark's gospel, as, as a theme that you've seen throughout, is with Jesus' suffering and, 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 and is inevitable, as more people are doubting him, as more people want to put him to death, so is Jesus' notoriety and popularity. And like all controversy, uh, not even from biblical times, but even today, controversy breeds this popularity, which is why as Jesus is walking on the road here from Jericho and getting close to the cross, Jesus has this great crowd that is following him. So as he is leaving Jericho, a man by the name of Bartimaeus happens to be on the roadside. Now his positioning here is by no accident. It's not like he was just on the roadside and he happened to meet Jesus. Uh, beggars of Bartimaeus' status were often known and being in locations where foot traffic would be the highest. It would be a strategic move for him as a blind beggar to ask for alms and receive donations by the roadside on the main road. Um, you know, when I think of this in today's analogy, I, I'm reminded, um, if, if you head over to the Elk Ridge Costco, which on the weekend, I don't know why you would ever ha go to the Elk Ridge Costco, because it's always like crazy packed, right? But just as you go there, what you will see and you will find is where there's a lot of foot traffic, where there's a lot of cars walking, uh, you will see uh, uh, homeless people, people who are asking for donations right on the intersections right at that Costco. And they're usually holding up signs, holding up their needs. This is, this is akin to what Bartimaeus was doing. He was positioning himself in such a way that he will be seen. Now, um, Scripture isn't telling us here why Bartimaeus became a beggar or even how he became blind. We don't know if he was born with it or if he had come to it later in life. But, but it's important here to realize just several things regarding uh, the poor. Uh, not just in Mark's gospel, but in the entirety of scripture. And we need to be able to balance this well. You know, there are those in Jesus' time, like maybe believers today, that would have viewed Bartimaeus' status as blind as a beggar, as a cursing of the Lord, as sort of his fault, especially those of scribal traditions that, that viewed any part of physical illness as a curse from God. But, but Jesus' treatment of not just Bartimaeus, but all sorts of individuals throughout the gospel reminds us that by nature, being blind or having some kind of physical limitation is not a sign of God's cursing or even that God hated that individual. We're reminded in the Old Testament of King David, how he brought the lame Mephibosheth to sit at the king's table all the days of his life. One of the Old Testament signs of the restoration of the kingdom, as we just read, is that the, the, the prisoners would be set free, that there would be those who would be healed, the blind would receive sight. So having a physical ailment by nature does not disqualify someone from receiving the Lord's favor. We also need to nuance Bartimaeus' status as a beggar. We are reminded that Scripture can often say things that might seem contradictory to one another, and we have to nuance Scripture, and it takes more than just simply quoting a single Bible verse to determine whether someone who is living in poverty is li living in a sinful state 
or just the nature of the system around them? Should we help all who ask, like Jesus commands? Or should those who work not eat, as the epistles of Paul direct the church? To totalize every treatment of those who are struggling as the poor in one or two verses without context, especially without context of a person's life, would be incredibly and deeply unwise. Another reality that we must understand is that the poor isn't the poor just simply because of an individual choice or action. Rather, there are multiple cultural, political, and hardship cases that makes the poor where they are and what they are, and we see that biblically as well. Israel, in the Old Testament, repeatedly goes into situations where they are marginalized and dehumanized as the people of a majority society, and it's due to systems, governments, and other places that causing them to be treated in a way that the Lord has promised judgment on those nations for. So, taking all of this into account in Bartimaeus, it's hard to say definitively how and why Bartimaeus got to be where he is, begging on the side of the road. And that's instructive for us as Christians. In many ways, our posture should be one that wonders more rather than judges more about the poor and their stories, uh, that we as Christians should lean on the side of sympathy, empathy, and compassion rather than judgment and the law. But we do realize and know something that the text definitely speaks of, that despite Bartimaeus's status as a beggar and blind, he is the one who understands the identity of Christ in a way that no other individual in Mark's gospel has yet to call Jesus. Bartimaeus calls Jesus the son of David. Now, this designation is huge because Bartimaeus sees all that Jesus has done in his ministry in a different light than how others have seen Jesus' ministry. See, Mark's gospel, we, right, we've heard people call Jesus teacher. We've Heard people call him the Holy One of God. Jesus calls himself the Son of Man. Uh, the unclean spirit calls him the Son of God. His disciples call him Rabbi. And even the Christ, which means the anointed one. Uh, Christ is not Jesus' last name, okay? All right, just uh, let's put that to rest right now, right? Uh, but the only time that he is referred to as the Son of David in Mark is right here in Mark 10. The son of David meant that Bartimaeus understood what no one had up until this point, that Jesus is the messianic king in the lineage of David, that Jesus is the one to take up the rightful throne as the king of the Jews, that, 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 that they had long waited for since their return from exile. It's this messianic king that would come in glory to finish the job of restoring the kingdom of God to its rightful place. This is Jesus fulfilling the promise made in 2 Samuel 7, 16, if we could have that up on the screen. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. This was promised to David and his sons. And so Bartimaeus armed with this knowledge of the identity of Jesus, does what any person would do if they truly believed in Jesus being the son of David. Bartimaeus steps into worship and cries out to Jesus to have mercy on him. 
You see, for Bartimaeus, the identity of Christ changes everything. And to know that Jesus is there and is near to him means that Bartimaeus is willing to give up everything that people would judge him for on the roadside to cry out to Christ and to find him. Because if Jesus is indeed the son of David coming to return to his throne, then Bartimaeus is responding in a way that, that is much fuller and deeper and much worshipful than the crowds who find Jesus to just simply be a mere curiosity or a means to an end. Bartimaeus is responding in accordance to the way of who he really believes Jesus is. So again, here we go. We have here a running theme in Mark's gospel, reiterating itself over and over again. The irony of Mark is that those who seem the least likely to know who Jesus truly is, is are the ones who identify him most accurately and most readily. The paralytic man, the demon-possessed man, the Syrophoenician woman, those who appear to have the least working knowledge of the identity of Christ are the ones who respond most visibly to him. So, just to challenge us here, what does this mean for us as Christians and believers today? Uh, several things. Uh, one, uh, Christians should not lord their knowledge of Jesus as though they have a better understanding and grasp of Christ for those who seemingly do not. Uh, you know, if you look at verse 48 of our text here, you will see the disciples and the crowds in the narrative thought they knew better than Bartimaeus. They chastised and rebuked Bartimaeus, sort of bothering the rabbi, when in reality, Bartimaeus had a better grasp of Jesus Christ than they did. Christians uh, should be the first to display humility towards others in their knowledge of, of Jesus because the same spirit of God that saved them from darkness, called them from darkness into life, can also illuminate the understanding of Christ to those who appear to be on the outskirts of faith. A constant denigration of the world from Christians as though they are intellectually and morally superior looks a lot more like Jesus' opponents in Mark than Jesus' true followers. So even though Bartimaeus is blind, he sees clearly the identity of Christ and those who should see him more vividly. Uh, second application that we, we come from this is that Christians should affirm what is true from our culture that aligns itself with a correct understanding of Christ and Christianity. You see, our doctrine of common grace reminds us repeatedly that God has given us understanding, has given every person dignity of the knowledge of him. And that means that even non-believers might get Christ's commandments better than we do and far more correct than we do. And so our posture should be one in, of curiosity and humility rather than a rebuking and judgmental spirit. Three, uh, and this is just an inward question now for us, Christians should continually ask themselves if their understanding of Christ's identity leads to their correct response in how we are living towards him. Christians should realize because their identity is now changed from someone who was living in darkness, separated from God, to now someone united to Christ and his church, that we should be evaluating ourselves in light of this new identity in Christ and how we are living inside of him. So maybe a question to ask yourself, whose identity are you placing your faith in? Because identity does indeed matter. 
Identity means not living just sort of, you know, my truth, but living God's truth in who he has made me and who I am in Christ. And more importantly, who he is making me to be in him. So with all of these things in mind, right, and thinking about the faith in the identity of Christ, right, this leads us to now faith in the ability of Christ. Identity for Bartimaeus meant that Jesus has the ability to heal him and the ability to have mercy on him. You realize that Bartimaeus' faith is a direct response of identity leading to ability. Who you believe Jesus is is a direct indicator of what you believe Jesus is able to do, what he is able to accomplish. This is why Bartimaeus cannot be silenced as he's coming to Jesus. People were telling him that what he was doing was wrong. They were rebuking that a beggar should ever come in the presence of him. But faith in the identity of Jesus means for Bartimaeus, desperation is the only valid response to be seen and to be heard by Christ. He cannot sit by the roadside any longer. He longs for the son of David to come and to heal him. And that faith is longing for Christ to show his mercy to him. The same way a king would show mercy to give life to those who begged at the king's feet. Faith in the identity of Christ leads for Bartimaeus to give himself over to the ableness of Jesus. Let me uh, illustrate this by uh, sharing with you a bit of my vulnerability and a bit of my weakness here this morning. Um, uh, I was keenly aware of this week of my inability and my weaknesses when I was trying to renovate and repair my home uh, that we just moved into last week. Uh, now, let me start off by saying that I did not grow up in a handyman kind of a family. Uh, the first time I ever used an electric tr drill, I was in my mid-20s, uh, and I wasn't even aware that you were supposed to like drill pilot holes into studs. Uh, I was leaving holes all over my apartment and wondering why like my pictures wouldn't hang, why the sheetrock wasn't holding like my 80-pound you know, shelves and things like that. My identity is not a fixer-upper. And anyone who knows me, especially my dear wife, knows how much of a struggle this is for me. So of course this week, I thought it would be a great idea to change the recessed lighting in my brand new living room in the house that we just had bought. Um, why did I have the confidence to do this? Um, well, YouTube do-it-yourself channels have clearly demonstrated this is an easy five to seven minute fix, right? All you need to do is just change the baffle trimming, you just put the torsion springs up, and bam, you're done. It's so easy and everything looks so nice. Surely, some random guy who just watched the video can do it. It's so easy, even a pastor can do it. Well, <laughs> you all know where this is going. Um, three trips to Lowe's later, and three hours later, zero recessed lighting fixtures got changed and fixed. Uh, Paige comes home to see that one light is still dangling from the ceiling and there is a ton of sheetrock dust just lying in the living room and me sitting in the couch in utter despair. All right, so what does my loving wife do? She looks at my desperation and she takes a vacuum and vacuums all the sheetrock dust off the floor and then gives me a big hug and says, 
it's okay. You tried so hard. <laughs> and then suddenly, a light bulb clicked of what this text is saying. Identity is rooted in ability, okay? So I called an electrician. They're coming in on Wednesday, and I'm going to rest and sleep easy knowing that their identity as an electrician means trusting in their ability to resolve the issue far greater and better than I ever can. Friends, faith in the identity of Christ means that you can trust in the ability of Christ, not just in the small things of life, like light fixtures, but in the biggest things of your life that you struggle with. Why? Because if you believe that, the identity, uh, that Jesus' identity is that he is the son of David, he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, you will know what he has already done and the ability that he has demonstrated for you on the cross. You will know that he has already healed you from your sins if you would just come to him. You will know that your sins are forgiven. And you will know that he serves the foundation as the bedrock of change, the power to work through the most hardest and difficult things in your life. Um, you know, one of the things that um, my counselor has been advising me on every time that we're together um, and that we meet up together, something that I just want to commend to you, because sometimes even pastors forget, um, is this idea of, you know, just sharing just some of the difficulties and challenges of some, some things I was wrestling with and, and things and frustrations I was feeling and, and feeling this inability to, to understand how do I even promote change in my heart and my life in these, in these things? How do I wrestle with, you know, guilt and shame and wrestle with self-condemnation? And then he just kindly reminds me every single time we're together, and he says, um, how have you taken up these things before the Lord? And so I commend that to you. Um, what are you doing with your most debilitating of things in your heart, in your mind, in your soul? Uh, where is the foundation of the power to change? And oftentimes I have to just stop and pause and remind myself and, and pray to the Lord and say, God, I, I need to take this to you first. Before I, I take it to myself to try and diagnose and fix it, before I, I take it to any person that I think is able to, to help me, before I, and, and those, are, those are good things. God gives us community. God gives us friendship. God gives us all those things. We need each other. But where do I primarily take who is the one who is able to heal? See, if you realize and trust in the ability of Christ, you will know that he has already conquered the power of Satan, sin, and death. You will know that he is able to you to rescue you from the cycle of sin that you have placed yourself in, whether that be lust or pride or anger or impatience. You will know that he is able to forgive you and give you grace over the cycle of shame that torment yourselves over and over again as you replay uh, the mistakes of your life. You will know that he's able to overcome the anxiousness of your own heart or the insecurities you project onto others. 
and you will see his power working over the trajectory of your faith, that he's been drawing you closer and closer to him over the years. You will know that Christ loves you more deeply even when you don't love yourself and that he is able to love your family greater than you will be able to love your family. You will know that he has overcome the grave and in doing so, to give you the ability and hope that death never has the final say, but that you will be raised again in eternal life. If Jesus is the Son of God, you see, then everything is possible because God's ability triumphs over all of our doubts. God's grace is greater than all of our inadequacies and failures. God's grace, as we sing and say again in that hymn, is greater than all of our sins. Faith in the person of Jesus must mean for us that Jesus also gives us the dignity that Bartimaeus is so longing to receive, to be seen for more than what others see him as, just this blind beggar on the roadside, but to be given a dignity that he could have never earned on his own. And so just to, just to pause and, again, ask ourselves a question, right? Are you limiting God's ability to work in your life? You know, are you sort of maybe ask, saying to yourself, oh, you know, sure, God's grace works for other people, but it just doesn't work for me. God can't do this. God cannot fix the mess that is me. And I would call you back to think about who do you think Jesus is? What's his identity? Because his identity leads to his ability. And that's what leads us to our last point, that faith in Christ leads to faith in the calling of Christ. Now, Jesus calls Bartimaeus to himself, and he asks him a question as Bartimaeus comes to him that would be incredibly familiar and that was to a narrative that was present right before this one. You see, right before Jesus' encounter with Bartimaeus, Jesus is confronted by two of his disciples, James and John, regarding a request they have for him. Mark 10, 36 to 37, if we could have that on the screen. Um, so James and John come up to him, and Jesus says to them, what do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. Now, contrast this with verse 51 of our text here today. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. Now, on the surface level, both of these responses to Jesus' question seem similar. Uh, both seem self-serving at the moment it's received. But look at the response of Jesus in both of these situations, and you'll realize what true motivations lie for the disciples of Jesus versus Bartimaeus. You see, James and John were requesting Jesus to give them a greater position of power in the kingdom of God. In their eyes, they thought that he was establishing. Whereas Bartimaeus is simply calling to Jesus to restore his dignity in the eyes of others. James and John have no idea what they are asking Jesus. Being at the right and left hand of the Father has a very different meaning than what they expect it to be. But Bartimaeus understands fully of what his healing will bring him. You see, it will mean that 
Bartimaeus will be able to follow Jesus on his mission. James and John are ultimately coming to request to Jesus for their own benefit and their own benefit alone, but Bartimaeus is seeking the benefit in faith to become a follower of Christ. So one is for their own glory, and the other is to demonstrate the glory of Jesus. There is something subtle that happens in this narrative that you might have missed that Mark wants to highlight in this gospel. Uh, And that is Bartimaeus, when he's first called by Jesus, throws off his cloak and runs to Jesus when he's called to him. He springs up off the ground. Now, this is interesting and significant for several reasons. Uh, The first reason being, uh, the cloak that he threw off of him would have almost certainly have been the beggar's cloak. It was the cloak that was used on the roadside to collect donations from those around him, it was, as it was the practice at the time. It was, it was designed to collect alms. Those, they would receive donations by spreading their cloak on the floor in front of them, signifying their status, and, and people would throw the alms on the cloak. Uh, the second thing that's significant about this is that by throwing off his cloak, what is, what is Bar- Bartimaeus saying? He's signaling that the ability of Christ to heal him is also the ability of Christ to change his entire life and the status of his life. He is casting off the identity of a blind beggar. And he's living a new one that he has faith that God will give to him by responding to Jesus' call. Uh, The third thing. Uh, that's significant about what we see here, is that the word that he uses for rabbi is frequently uh, not the word that was usually used for rabbi. This is actually a much stronger word for rabbi that is used in prayer to God, which shows that Bartimaeus' faith in Jesus is equivalent to asking this rabbi, this Lord, this master, this God, to heal him and restore him. And finally, uh, the astonishing thing, uh, Jesus heals the blind man, and then, as he often does with his healing miracles, comes with no strings attached to the person receiving it. He says to Bartimaeus, go your way. Your faith has made you well. There is, in other words, no expectation from Jesus here that Bartimaeus should follow Christ. But the calling of Jesus and the calling of Christ that had been placed on Bartimaeus the healing of him means that Bartimaeus' life is forever changed, both physically and his life mission. He is no longer one who sits on the roadside, resigned to always be what others have called him to be. He is not long, no longer to live in the shame which maybe he has called himself and which others certainly have called him on him. His identity in Christ calls him to realize the ability of Christ to transform and change him and walk with him as his disciple. This is likely why Bartimaeus is named by name in this final healing narrative. Whereas in other healing miracles, they omit the names present. It's a safe assumption, as scholars have have looked at, that Bartimaeus is named here because he is a known disciple of Jesus. In this moment where he puts all of his faith and trust in the son of David and the calling of Christ, he casts across everything that would hinder him in following Jesus. So he is no longer the blind beggar on the street. He is Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus. The transformation of him changes his name, his calling, and his life. So um, this naturally questions all of us here. 
Have you been called by Jesus? And what will you do with this calling? Because remember where Jesus is heading. He's heading to the cross in this passage. And the reality is that Jesus has been foreshadowing this in the entire time in Mark. The suffering servant, the messianic king, he will go about bringing the fullness of the kingdom in a way that no one will expect. Through unimaginable and deep suffering. By dying on the cross and taking our shame, taking our sinfulness, taking on the, the, the judgment of our sin and placing it on himself. He takes our inability to do good and to be good and takes it on himself that we might be healed. Our eyes would be opened and that good news would be proclaimed to the poor and that he would heal the brokenhearted and set liberty to the captives, that death and hell would be defeated and that all that would torment us in this life will not tell us who we are because Christ has called us his sons and his daughters. Jesus is inviting you and calling you today to realize the life that he brings. So how will you respond to this calling? What will you do? You know, for those of you who've been following Christ, perhaps today is a reminder that you need to tell yourself of whose identity that you've been living under, of whose ability you've been trusting in, whose calling you've been following. Faith in your identity and yourself will only to realize your failures at one point or another. Faith in your ability or someone else's ability other than God, no matter how capable you or others might seem, can never bear the full weight of redemption that you're looking for. And faith in a calling that is anything other and Jesus' calling in your life will leave you unfulfilled because you were made to follow Christ, not just to the cross, but to glory. So what will you do? My prayer is that we as a church would follow Christ's calling in our life. My prayer is that for those of us who see ourselves on the roadside, and have resigned our lives to an identity that Jesus hasn't called us to. That you would respond to the Jesus who calls you here today. That you would leap up, cast aside whatever cloak you're carrying and follow Christ. Give your life to him. Let's pray together.